Welcome to BIV Today, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. Increasingly, our economy is striving to be circular, to keep materials, components, products, and assets at their highest utility and value at all times, and for a long time. This is different than the take, make, use, dispose, linear model of production and consumption. Nowhere is this more evident than in our forestry and construction industries. We're going to explore this circular economy and its opportunities over two parts, today and tomorrow, with Paul Shorthouse, the senior director of Delphi.ca, one of the leading consultancies in the circular economy in Canada. Today, we're going to have a look at how the circular economy works and tomorrow at the opportunities for British Columbia and Canada. Our series is sponsored by NaturallyWood.com. Paul, thanks a lot for joining us. Yes, good morning. Well, let's let's go slowly here at first, Paul, and uh, uh, walk us through the meaning of a circular economy. What what does it mean? Yeah, thanks, Kirk. You you touched on it uh, briefly there in your introduction. Um, as as you mentioned, circular economy really aims to to keep materials and components and and products and assets at uh, their highest utility and value at all times. And as you mentioned, the sort of traditional linear model where you take it, extract resources and you turn them into something useful and you use them for a while. And at the end of the life, you, you kind of forget about them and, and dispose of them, um, you know, puts a lot of pressure on, uh, on our ecosystems, on our environment, but it, it also is a huge lost economic opportunity in terms of the value of those materials and, and resources that end up um, you know, being lost from from use from our economy. So, circular economy is is really rethinking the way we we traditionally uh, done things. It rethinks supply chains. It rethinks products. It basically looks at the redesign of, of products and services to be more durable, to last longer, to allow them to be repaired or refurbished. Um, for buildings, for example, to be disassembled at end of life and get those materials back. Um, you know, eliminate toxins and and pollution. Um, from from that process and regenerate natural systems in the, in the process of, of doing that. So it's a it's a systems thinking approach. It's been around for a long time. Um, we just haven't been calling it that so much in North America, um, you know, until recently where the term circular economy has come to the forefront. But Europe and China and other countries have been uh, embracing circular economy for a couple of decades. And, and really, it brings together a number of principles like around sustainable development and industrial ecology and design for environment and cradle to cradle thinking, things that we've talked about, but under sort of a comprehensive umbrella. So that's a great framework uh, to start us off on this one. But uh, then let's focus first off on, on what the main problems the circular economy is trying to solve. What would you say they are? Yeah, I mean, there's three crises right now that we're facing, and we're feeling some of that right now in BC with all the wildfire smokes. One is climate change and uh, the impacts of, of uh, you know, greenhouse gas emissions in our in our environment, impacting on on our natural ecosystems. The second is biodiversity and ecosystem loss um, and in impacts, and uh, and the third one is is pollution. So you think of plastics and other other uh, items that enter our, our environment. So, circular economy designs to is designed to to really tackle those three critical crises. But if you look at it at a sort of um, sector level, um, when you're say, for example, in the construction and forestry and built environment space um, in Canada, construction is one of the most 
important sectors, but it's also one of the most wasteful um, and globally, um, you know, the, the most considerable environmental impact that comes from the built environment sector comes as a result of losing these resources and materials at the end of their, their life um, and the impact associated with um, the ongoing need for, for virgin resource extraction. So, uh, you know, looking at um, the opportunity to, to minimize the use of energy and uh, the GHG emissions that come from the extraction and the transportation and manufacturing um, of, of materials and looking at how to retain the value of, uh, of some of those resources yeah, addresses yeah. that problem. So, so you, you mentioned the word waste quite a bit, and, and I think I've seen in most things that I've seen written about uh, the circular economy, it, it really has a focus on mitigating uh, the waste that's out there. Um, how large is the scope of this waste and, and what does it entail? Yeah, it's a great question. We typically think of waste um, in terms of the, the the stuff we dump into the landfill or um, the materials that end up, you know, as pollution in the environment. But in terms of a circular economy def definition, waste actually sort of comes in four different forms. One is sort of the wasted resources that, um, you know, that are happening if we're not able to continually regenerate those or capture the the, the, the value out of those. Secondly, it's the sort of wasted or underutilized assets. So you think of say buildings that sit empty or underutilized half, their, half the time. Um, thirdly, there's sort of the wasted life cycle. So it's the premature end of use of buildings given the lack of repair or maintenance or, or you know, their reuse and adaptability over time. Um, and lastly, sort of the wasted embedded value. So how do we uh, reclaim the materials components or the energy that's stored in some of these materials um, at the end of life through processes like deconstruction or material recovery. But um, so that's kind of the broadest sense of, of the definition of waste. But in terms of the impact in Canada, um, you know, we are one of the largest consumers of, of raw materials and the waste stream, there's there's close to 4 million tons of construction materials that are entering our, our landfill on an annual basis that come from, wow. from the construction sector. And within those, you know, there's a huge amount of um, embodied energy and carbon, for example. So we're, we're essentially, um, you know, contributing to the climate change issue by allowing all these materials to enter the landfill at the same time as not recapturing some of the economic value that comes out of them. Is there an, an approximate uh, percentage or a value on how much a circular economy could reduce or eliminate of that? Um, I'm, a good question as well. I don't know that the economic, um, has, the economics have really been been done on that from a sector specific perspective. And in Canada, we're just starting to 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 look at this in more detail and start to quantify some of the the lost value. There has been work done by the, the National Zero Waste Council looking at different sectors and how some interventions can can create new value and dollars. And certainly companies like Unbuilders in, in uh, British Columbia who are uh, de using deconstruction as a business model um, are creating you know, hundreds of jobs uh, locally through sort of this, this opportunity. But I don't know that, the, that there's been a quantification of the actual dollar value lost for the construction sector, for example. Okay, well, let's, let's conclude our, our first segment uh, in this two-part series by looking at uh, barriers 
and enablers because you know, your recent report uh, at Delphi really examined what some of these were. And let, let's talk first of all about um, the enablers of a circular economy and, and how, how you might itemize them principally. Yeah. Yeah, and I like to think of the enablers as sort of a response to uh, some of the challenges or the barriers. But, um, you know, because I as I mentioned earlier, it's about sort of rethinking the system to some degree and, and the uh, the way we've been, been doing things. Um, a lot of the impact that happens, um, you know, environmental impact and, and economic loss happens um, at the design stage. So um, really thinking about applying circular economy principles early on in, say, the product or a building's design. Um, and that can include, you know, principles like design for disassembly or designing for durability or designing for adaptability so that, you know, you've got products that can be refurbished or, or buildings that can be, um, you know, repaired and maintained and, and adapted over time, like we saw during the pandemic, you know, a need for buildings to be adaptable to different uses, you know, in office spaces, for example. Um, so really embracing circularity in the design stage would be one key enabler. Secondly, um, you know, there's a, a need for greater awareness and, and education across the whole value chain from designers and architects to building officials and to others in the, in the construction sector to really embrace some of these practices, but also to better understand what the return on investment is for moving in the space and what the different business models are that can create new, new value and new revenues. Um, thirdly, I'd say um, because we're thinking in systems approaches here, it can't be siloed. And so it's really important to think about it from a cross-sector collaboration perspective. And so looking at um, buildings, for example, that are um, working together with the architects and designers and developers early on with the construction uh, players and the building material providers so that you're um, actually thinking about it as a system as you're as you're putting these buildings together in those early stages. And, and so there's processes like um, in integrated design processes or um, project delivery models that allow for better uh, cross-sector collaboration, which is really critical for this. Um, I would say that there's opportunities for, for a, great, a lot more innovation. So supporting business model innovation, supporting process innovation, supply chain innovation, technology innovation um, to improve uh, you know, how we're using our, our materials and how we're um, you know, putting them together in buildings. And, and one example would be mass timber as a, as a product that's, that shows uh, real potential. And then lastly, I'd say the support of policy space, so the incentives, the regulations, the standards, um, procurement as a key driver um, for demand for, for moving in this direction. And so maybe I got it a bit backwards, uh, you know, <laughs> and, not, and not leading with the negative stuff first, but let's conclude a bit with the negative stuff. And what are the barriers that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, we're still set up in sort of this linear approach to how we how we uh, function within the economy. I think there's there's evidence globally that shows that we're only about 9% circular um, globally, which means that the vast majority of the materials that we use end up um, lost at the end of their use. And, and even in Canada, they've done some, some analysis in Quebec, and it was actually closer to 3%. So, um, you know, we have to sort of think about what are the, the, the um, incentives and the 
the enablers that allow us to transition away from this sort of linear status quo. Um, and, and so there's cost challenges right now that exist in, in terms of moving away from the current system. So that's probably one of the, the biggest issues. Um, I mentioned sort of the need to grow awareness, but the lack of awareness and the information, as well as even standardized definitions about what we're talking about, um, create certain barriers. Um, I'd say the fragmentation um, across construction industries. You know, we've got people that work sort of uh, in their spaces, but they're not often communicating or, or collaborating uh, to, to, you know, design in, in ways that, or, or operate or build in ways that, that work together across the value chain. And, uh, and we also have infrastructure gaps and supply chain issues. So for example, um, I mentioned unbuilders earlier, but that's a, an example where a company has um, you know, developed a business model to deconstruct older homes and reclaim the value of those old growth lumber in, in homes, for example. But right now there, there's nowhere to sort those or places to sort of store secondhand materials. So how do we get the infrastructure in place and, and the reverse logistics there to collect those materials and get them back into the market and, uh, and help to, to build the business case there. So um, work to be done in that space. Look, that's all extremely interesting, and it's a, a, but I think it's a good place for us to stop for this first segment. We have a good foundation of information, so we can take a look at our uh, the economic opportunities in our next segment. Thanks a lot, Paul, for your help to this point. We're going to take a break, and uh, if, if you're watching uh, the first part of our discussion on a Wednesday, uh, part two runs tomorrow. If you're watching us later than that, part two can be found at BIV.com, so join us for that. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. You've been watching BIV today.